Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program, Flame On, is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I am Brian, and I'm here on a very special occasion. We normally don't go into politics on this show, but this season has kind of moved me to want to cover it in a little bit more detail than we might normally do. We did, in a like, I don't know, about two months, two months ago, I think, we had a very special guest on, Carl Frisch, uh, a frequent uh, campaign uh, all politics experts from both sides of the aisle over his illustrious <laughs> career. Uh, he joined us then and he's joining us now. Thank you so much for being here, Carl. You know, I, I wish just once I could come on the podcast and your introduction would be, you know, we don't normally talk about the real housewives of Atlanta here, but, <laughs> but instead I, I get to be the person who gets to be the downer and always talking about politics. Oh, all right. Well, I promise you this. When we bring, okay, when uh, I like Doctor Who, I like the Star Trek movies. I'm a Star Wars buff. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do I'm it. I'm in a mixed galaxy family. Evan You're says a, hello, by the way. Oh, I thought I said hi. You're a RuPaul fan too, and we just That's wrapped right. up RuPaul coverage. Next time RuPaul's on, I'm gonna definitely make sure we have you on for that right. at the very least. Um, we also have Bill Zanowitz joining us here. Bill, for those of you who have followed Flame On and our, our, our mutual show, Comic Book Bears, if you may have listened to the fan feud, uh, I think only a couple episodes back in the feed, you know Bill from, from the Crime Fighter Inquiry, Comic Book Bears, uh, a bunch of other great podcasts. Bill, thank you for being here as well. Oh, my pleasure, man. Um, we, uh, are gonna try we're going to try to cover this third debate. We just watched it. We're recording it right afterwards. It's 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 been a doozy. I may have had a few drinks. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I had like a giant beer that I go through, and I always finish the whole thing and then some. So yeah, I am still dealing with a cold from New York Comic Con, so I am on a bit of a Robitussin high. So 
Well, I, I stick I to ginger ale because I'm as calm and cool and collected as Hillary Clinton. You are nerves of steel. So as a aperitif for this debate, I made my friends watch the second SNL debate sketch, the one from last Saturday. Yeah. And it just could not have been a more perfect entre, uh, you know, whatever to, to what came in tonight's debate. Which I will say, going into this debate, uh, I think we we're all we're all probably in a similar space in thinking about this, and it's certainly, you know, since the whole thing is rigged, we know really that the answer is Hillary's going to win. But like we've been kind of along for this crazy roller coaster. We've seen the ups and downs. We've seen all the October surprises uh, on both sides. And what did you guys think going into this? Was this really Clinton's to lose or Trump's to sort of? Keep it going. I mean, what what'd you guys think going in? Well, I, I think Trump needed a home run. You know, um, Hillary could have done, you know, okay and still done just fine. Um, unfortunately for Trump, the bar has been so low for him in order to actually outperform uh, Hillary Clinton, it would take a miracle. Um, so, you know, even on a good night for Donald Trump, and I don't necessarily think this was a good night for him, I don't think it's enough. All right, Bill, what about you? Well, I would side with that. I do think that for the first 25 minutes or so before the meds wore off, I thought he was relatively reserved, and which is really sickening because these are not people we should grade on a curve. And um, <clears throat> I, I I would agree he had to hit a home run and you know, he you know he he lost you know he he was out of contention by the the fifth inning. Well, so, you know if 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 Donald Trump is going to get credit for being reserved for twenty minutes, Hillary <laughs> should get credit for saying I can't fucking believe this guy for ninety minutes. <laughs> so going in, I mean, again, like. We just wanted Trump to, to demonstrate some semblance of political and, and leadership acumen, like having, I didn't. well, no, like the idea was if Trump had a snowball's chance in hell to redeem himself to the undecided and sort of the, the, you know, the undecided, I guess, the big target market here, like he had to come out and try to be more reserved. And like you guys said, I agree. I think for like the first maybe 30, 40 minutes, it was a slow ramp up of decent policy discussion, albeit between a really intelligent and very well-versed politician. And a third grader reading a book young- report that they didn't read the book for. Exactly. Now, I did notice this. I don't know if you guys noticed this. I didn't notice it previously, but I noticed this debate. Hillary is very keen on taking notes, which I did notice before, but also on going back and reviewing her notes. Trump's just fucking with his microphone the whole damn time. I'm like, I mean, I admit, like, I like people who can sort of talk intelligently from the hip, but I don't think that is what he can do. And you'd think by now he might at least try Mm -hmm. to try to have a little more of a, you know, substantive backing. So he's not just flailing up there. Well, you know, I think Trump's biggest failing as a human being, not just as a candidate, is his complete and utter lack of empathy or humility. Um, I think it's what translates uh, badly about his persona as a candidate for public office, but particularly with people that he needs to win over to actually have any chance of winning this election. So when we talk about the undecided, we're really not talking about undecided people anymore at this point. We're talking about the swayable, and there's like five or six points in the middle of people that are swayable, 
mostly uh, uneducated white folks, um, and uh, a lot of those are women, and they made up their mind mostly, and they have been trending in this direction since the last debate. Uh, Donald Trump did absolutely nothing to staunch the bleeding in that regard. He was defiant. The reason that Donald Trump doesn't take any notes during a debate is because he's already operating under the assumption which Hillary pointed out tonight, that he is the smartest man that ever walked the face of the earth. Why take notes if you're the smartest man that ever walked the face of the earth? Why mm-hmm. take notes if only you can sign a good trade deal? Why take notes if only you can negotiate with another country? Um, so, I mean, when when you can't demonstrate empathy for the suffering of other people, when you can't demonstrate humility and apologize for anything that you've ever done in your life um, – you know, I, I think it not only turns off voters, but it leads to a horrible debate performance. The reason that Donald Trump can't prepare for a debate is because he's a rotten human being who lacks humility and empathy. Yeah. I really wish when they started talking about Aleppo and they brought up that image of the child with the with the blood on his face in the in the um in the ambulance. If the question had turned to him, I know he would have had no idea what was being discussed. But he would have winged it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I, but, he, he does a really good job of winging the questions. He, he it would have been, yeah, that was horrible, like horrible, horrible. And then yeah, by piecing on. it together with words that other people have said surrounding it, which yeah. is like the, the, the tell of, you know, somebody who's not studying in school and is called on in a classroom, right? Oh, so yeah. he gets asked a question and the person before him says this horrible situation in Aleppo, it's really horrible, you know, this crisis over there that is causing uh, a lot of strife between the relations of Russia and, and America. And he'll say, knowing that he's got to fill up 30 to 60 seconds, he'll say, let me just say this about that. Uh, it's a tremendous problem out there. It's a crisis. <laughs> I think, I think I knew it was a crisis before any Anybody else knew it was a crisis. It's a horrible humanitarian problem. I don't think anybody has said it's a humanitarian problem until I said it was a humanitarian problem. And, you know, this is right by Syria. This is a problem. Our allies, you know, it's a problem with the Russians. So he doesn't actually say anything other than what's been said in the question or what's been said in an answer by another candidate. And here's what kills me about that, because I agree. In fact, I, I play a drinking game. I don't know if you guys do. It's kind of fun. Anytime he says tremendous, huge, big league, all of the Trumpy Gosh. Trumpisms, like it's so consistent, so I'm not going to pay for your rehab. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> my liver is going to be glad when this election is over. But like, it's just remarkable that that's what he keeps going to, and that's how he tries to like express his view on things without actually addressing the the material. Just coming at it from like you said, his you know fuddling through it and his sort of ego-centric view. But, like, I don't understand people I've talked to, and, and Carl, I'm sure you have as well, and Bill, I don't know, I think you you have at least talked about it on Facebook. We have people in our, our circles, in our lives, who they hear Trump and they hear Hillary, or Don, I should stick with Donald and Hillary, and it's remarkable how related, relatable they think Donald is because he's speaking their language. And I'm sitting there thinking, these are intelligent people. They're college educated, some cases college educated, in some cases not. And they should know better that this is absolute flimflam, like classic textbook snake oil salesperson. Like that's not even like a, like he would wear that moniker with pride because that's what he's built his career off of. And nobody has a problem with that. In these little groups that I've, that I've talked to, but they hear Hillary talk 
And they go, oh, I can't trust her because she's a politician, because she's make deals, because she's 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 parsing her words carefully. And it's just remarkable that that is this gut level thing that people are reacting to who support Trump. Some, you know, I try not to get I try not to get up on anecdotal samples because, you know, sometimes my anecdotal samples can be skewed just based on who I'm friends with on social media. Of course. They're not, thankfully. (laughs) But it can be. Like, if I read relatives' social media, it can be. Um, I take solace in the science of polling. You know, unlike the Trump campaign, which loves a a good poll that can be rigged by refreshing a browser, I think that campaigns today are run on the best science available. I've known Robbie Mook, Hillary's campaign manager, since he was a, a lowly field staffer. 12 years ago. This is a guy who understands how to look at an election and splice and dice the electorate um, and see where things stand. Um, We can find examples of people that defy what the polling is telling us, an educated person who likes Trump and hates Hillary. What's true above most of these things, if you look at the polling that's been done specifically about Trump's followers, um, it is a deep level of resentment, um, and typically white working class resentment against people who are newer to this country, which is not unique. I mean, that's an American value, right? Resenting whoever came after you. It was the Russian or the Irish and the Italians, and, and now it's uh, people who are dark skinned. Um, and so um, it's resentment against those people for having opportunities, ostensibly, not necessarily true, that you are being denied by a government that's trying to take your rights away. Now, this is, you know, uh, underscored by uh, a conservative media, you know, talk radio, Fox News, et cetera, um, church, whatnot. Um, and what fits nicely into that narrative uh, is what you will hear more than anything from his people, which is he tells it like it is. Well, what does that mean? He's not politically correct. Well, what does that mean? It means he says things that they wish they could say. It means that he can say Mexicans are rapists and that they're criminals and they're coming to get our kids, and they wish they could say that. It means he can call Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig, and they wish they could say that. So what it really means is that their hatred of Hillary Clinton is not based on any one policy. It's based mostly on her gender. I mean, I I have worried that that was the case in at least some of my anecdotal things. And like you said, the data is telling. I've been... I'm sure all of us have been following 538 to some extent. Nate Silver's uh, <laughs> <It's like> <laughs> <laughs> I love someone the other day posted. I forgot who it was. Carl, you might remember. Like, you know, that whole, like, can we not, when, when can we not, like, stop checking every 30 seconds, you know, yeah. checking 538's polls? Um, I think like, my favorite thing about actually have them text you when it updates, so yeah. I, I don't have to load the page every five minutes anymore. I think my favorite thing about that page right now is you can't even cover the words Trump and his percentage of likelihood. It just says, <laughs> oh my God. It just says ump. Oh, my God. <laughs> with the TR and Hillary. But, I mean, the yeah. science of polling is so summarily dismissed by some of the community that supports Trump. You have and, to, though. Well, and this is not a slight against them. Mm-hmm. I've been involved in campaigns that have been doomed from near the beginning. And the only way that you can remain engaged – and I get emotional about it because it is a horrible thing to be engaged in a losing campaign, especially when it dawns on you that you're not going to win because you have to keep a stiff upper lip so that other people don't feel doomed too. Okay. And so 
if you're in his position, if you're where the Romney people were when they were unskewing the polls four years ago, <laughs> the only thing you can do to stave off an even worse defeat is to claim that it's not happening. Interesting. I mean, it makes sense from a kind of a leadership level. Like, you know, if your ship's sinking, the last thing you're going to do is want to go running around telling people, hey, our ship's sinking. I mean, you know, it's you got to keep that, like you said, stiff upper lip. But, oh, it's so... Because if, if his ship sinks hard, like if, yeah. if this is the Titanic, uh, you know, what matters now is not if the Titanic is sinking. It's it's a matter of how long it's been sinking. You know, if if it's just hitting the iceberg before the election, maybe Republicans are safe in the House. If it is on its way to being completely submerged by Election Day, they're screwed. That's why you can't say, yeah, we're going to lose, because it's not just about Donald Trump, right? It's about everybody else on the ballot underneath him. Which always fascinated me with the Paul Ryan and some of the other people who've bailed and sort of done their, you know, magnanimous, or not magnanimous, but, but the, the retreat away, like I'm just going to back away slowly from this dude and try to salvage what I have left of my uh, my own life. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's get to the debate because I did want to talk about some of the specific things, and there were some really great moments in this debate, some quotable, like ridiculous, on, on, I wouldn't say on both sides, I'm not going to pull that fake equivalency thing, but, you know, there were certainly some great moments on both sides. So um, the Chris Wallace uh, moderated this from Fox News. I thought of all the moderators, I liked his approach the most because he he was not as afraid to try to rein back over the discussion into what it was supposed to be. And he did press both sides. I don't know if equally or whatever, but he definitely pressed both candidates on certain key things and uh, – I didn't see that as much with the previous uh, yeah. two debates. I do think there were points that he lost control, but he oh, did. Yeah. He definitely did rein in people, at, at least when they got into uh, past the two-minute points and into the open conversation. He seemed to be much uh, better at facilitating uh, the debate at those in, in those parts than uh, in the introductory questions, which really seems strange because it, it almost seems logic should dictate it's the other way around. But, yeah. but uh, well, and let, let's just remember, this is a guy who said that he wasn't going to be fact-checking during the debate. Mm-hmm. And apparently you don't need to fact-check when you start the form of your question by quoting what somebody says, no. which seemed to really rub Donald Trump the wrong way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, at least I, he didn't complain about the fact that it was too Blood coming out of wherever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. So so we went. they went through different topic areas, and the first one was Supreme Court. Kind of a nice... Not that it's not divisive, but sort of a nice sort of gentle, let's not go straight for the jugular, let's start it out kind of philosophical. And, you know, I didn't think either of the candidates said anything that shocked me. I did agree and did kind of like that Hillary was very on message about her position that she's not anti-Second Amendment. She's never been anti-Second Amendment. She just wants reasonable limits, kind of like what they quoted Scalia as saying, you know, on the purchase and, you know, distribution of these guns. And they actually, I'll give Trump a brief little, you know, good job. He actually cited the DC versus Heller. I know they had brought it previously, but like knew what it was. Like he actually talked intelligently about it. I think he didn't just fake that. Oh, I, I disagree. You remember remember his, the first reference to that case, he was like, you know, Hillary was just, she was so angry, angry. about it. She, she was, was just so angry. And we know that that Heller versus DC case, it was a very big deal. And she was just so angry. 
that was like the first time he did his little, I don't know what I'm actually talking about, but I'm going to use the words you that think? others have used before me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually have that in my notes. Very, very angry. Well, yeah, but yeah. I, I thought he didn't. Okay. So I may have missed, I yeah. may have not heard the mention of the DC part or district Columbia. Yeah. I just, it, it, it fooled me then I will give it that. Cause I really thought, Oh, okay. He actually knew this one little nugget of truth, which I was uh, surprised by certainly to say the least. Um, the, uh, Clinton, like I said, did defend it. What was the deal with Chicago's having the, the toughest gun laws? Is that a true thing that Trump was talking about? Even if it is true, um, and this is often something that somebody who wants no, you know, no tougher gun control regulations will say, you know, look at Chicago, look at Los Angeles, look at New York City. They have the toughest gun controls in the world, in the country, and they have the worst gun violence, blah, blah, blah. Lots of people get killed by guns. True that lots of people get killed by guns. True that some of these places have very tough gun controls. What they forget to mention, though, is that we don't have Mexican-built walls around all of our localities and cities and towns and states, keeping the guns that are bought and sold with very few regulations in states like, you know, Iowa and South Dakota and all over the South where there's fewer gun controls. We don't have any walls to protect uh, from those guns being sold on the black market or brought over the state border. So it, it's ridiculous. You know, only if the guns – being used to commit crimes in these places with tough gun control were all coming from the place where the crime is being committed. Would that argument hold any water? Unfortunately for Trump, it doesn't. Interesting. Um, so, well, I, I want to go on NPR's website. If you have not checked out NPR's fact-checking, not only did they have like a real-time transcript, which was invaluable, but they actually did have real-time annotations coming in. You had to wait a little bit, obviously. It's not instantaneous. Sure. But, oh, my God, by now, it's probably a, a, a <laughs> glorious, glorious treasure trove of stuff. Can uh, I make one, one point about the Supreme Court part? Of course. What I got out of that was not the Second Amendment stuff. I think that was all, you know predictable, whatever. What I liked is that Hillary defended uh, choice and she defended yes. LGBT equality and that was a big wet kiss to millennial voters. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you know what what Hillary's debate strategy has been from these three debates and the Tim Kaine debate as well has been to show a difference between the candidates that will resonate with the voters that she needs to win over mm-hmm. and pointing out those two issues um will not only help her with millennial voters because they will be reminded yet again that Trump does not support those things, but it also helps her with Republican women. And I think when they moved on from that and Trump started talking about how babies are being yanked out of women before the they're baby. ripped the babies Rip out. I mean, he baby. talked about, he talked about women and doctors the way he talked about women that he wanted to seduce. He thinks that doctors just rip babies out of women. Like he just wants to go over and grab a pussy. Sure. It's, I, it's kind of remarkable. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, I was just going to say, I also thought her wording, uh, I do not think that this is something the government should be stepping into. I do think that that may also at least give an opportunity to sway some libertarian-leaning people who may be scared of Gary Johnson. Moderate women, yeah, absolutely. Because I saw was, the same thing. Yeah, it was a very, very well-constructed sentence in addressing the, the issue of governmental interference and then moving on to examples of other countries where women were forced to have abortions or to bear children. I yes. thought that was very effective for that segment of, uh, 
of the voting block that may be leaning one way, not to Trump, but to one of the independent candidates and, you know, to, in, a, in some ways, give them an in to, um, to say, okay, I'm for Hillary. Yeah, it was a textbook yeah. example of her trying to appeal to that little swayable chunk of women mm-hmm. who could go either way, right? And she didn't talk about choice as something that you might oh, – in a way that you might see somebody talk about it in a Democratic primary. She no less underscored the value of being pro-choice, but she talked about it in terms that probably appeal more to the women who are still on the fence, which is about government interference. I think that's an exactly right point to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the whole thing with her position on the Supreme Court was – very nicely framed of the keeping government out, trying to like protect children and families and women from, you know, government and other, you know, corporate kind of influence and like that gets the Citizen United and overturning the, uh, LGBT victories we've had in the last few years. Like all of it was very on message and really strong. And honestly, the Trump stuff, again, I just felt like it was consistent with Republican Party stuff, like nothing new. But I, I, you know, and, and this is again the part of the debate we thought Trump was actually doing pretty well, uh, at least not losing his calm. But um, the late term abortion thing I was surprised by because I've actually never been a huge fan. Not that he was a fan of abortion, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Late term has always been sort of a weird thing for me. But I thought Hillary actually very eloquently discussed the problem with complete ban on those yeah. kind of later term abortions because Often that is when things are going really wrong. It's not the convenience well, thing at that point. Right, and personalizing it with the with the people that she has met. Yeah, that was a very effective mechanism. Your uncomfortableness around the issue is a failure of Democrats to communicate the issue. I think mm-hmm. um, mostly because you know Hillary's right. This a it's rare that late term abortions are rare, right. uh, and b nobody's you know. The semantics of how Trump thinks abortions actually happen in this country aside, nobody's yanking babies out of or fetuses out of women. Um, you know, most abortions in this country, a huge percentage, to borrow Trump's language, um, are chemically <laughs> induced abortions. They're not, uh, you know, no, they're no fetuses the being sucked out of a woman or whatever. So aside from the fact that late stage abortions, late term abortions are extremely rare, they're also not three days before the woman is uh, giving birth to a baby. Um, and, you know, Hillary was right to underscore that this is one of the most difficult decisions a family can make. Think yeah. about, put yourself in the shoes of the woman and her family that are making this decision. This is um, a woman who is at some point in this pregnancy decided that she's going to take carry this child to term because she wants to expand or begin a family with somebody. And now she's having to choose between her own life and starting that family. Mm-hmm. And this is where conservatives are trying to step in and say, you don't have a choice here. You you are not allowed to make this choice. Um, and I think, you know, Hillary underscored that, that emotional response for women twice, once in talking about what it's like for the family there, but then also when talking about Donald Trump's sexism and demeaning <laughs> of women, when she said, you know, I think all women have been there before. They understand yes. what this is like. And there were several times during the debate where she got a really good pivot in on these kind of issues that touched on his weaknesses or his, you know, vulnerable spots, at least from, I think, most uh, reasonable uh, voters. And what was less effective, I found, is when Trump tried to pivot, 
they weren't so much pivots as just hard stops. <laughs> and then yeah. oh, and Hillary Clinton, da 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 da. Even and I I don't want to jump around too much, but even in the closing statements, right. the fact that that one like Hillary's was fairly positive, just about her platform, very kind of textbook. And then Donald's is just like doesn't even miss a beat. Starts immediately into the uh, criticism of Hillary, and then just you know the whole way through. It was it was kind of remarkable just how inelegant. And and listen, I I host podcasts. Bill understands this, and Carl, you do a lot of podcasts as well and radio. Like it's hard sometimes to make a really good segue. It's not sure. an easy thing. But oh my God, when you don't even try and you just hard stop and then go, it's like come at on, least come joke on. about it. Exactly. <laughs> What did you guys think about, I noticed a couple times Trump trying, I don't think he was trying to make a joke in any like real sense, but like, like his interjections, I sensed, I sensed, I felt, I didn't track this, but he had more interjections than the second debate, less than the first, but it was that kind of like Lex Luthor yelling out wrong, you know, and just these little interjections that just kept getting in the way and were just, I don't know, they just made him seem smarmy and asshole-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't compounded, know compounded when he would like the direction a question was going with Chris Wallace, uh, and he would lean forward and say, exactly, or, yup. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I don't know what, I can tell you what school of debating he went to. It was called the school of no preparation whatsoever. Um, but that's not a way to win over the confidences of anybody in the room. Um, it, it's like that little kid in the front row that, like, just, has to demonstrate that he he knows what he's talking about, but really doesn't. Like it's just bullying behavior, and it underscores yeah. the entire premise of the attack on him. Right. Yes, I agree. Uh, so moving on, immigration. Of course, this was one that hadn't come up as much, which was a lot of a lot of people were really surprised this didn't come up earlier because, of course, we all know Trump wants to build the wall, build it big, huge, <laughs> huge. It's going to be the best, tremendous wall, big league, whatever. Like the fact that. He tried to pivot and bring Hillary into it, saying Hillary voted to build the wall, and then or that fact, Obama's deporting people. That, which that no, made evidently nobody knows about. No, I've yeah. been reading about that forever. That's not that's not that's a, nothing that's, new. There have been more people deported no. under his administration than at any other point. By right, which undercuts his arguments, by the yes. way. And he yes. presented so. it as if it if it was so weird how he brought that into the conversation. So you're, you're, so you're agreeing with Obama? That made no sense the way he transitioned into but that it's state. It's a product of the world's smartest man preparing for debates by not preparing. Yeah. When a serious person prepares for a debate, they consider what their response to a question is going to be. They consider what the response to their response might be and how that should impact their answer. Yeah. He doesn't do that because he's the smartest person who ever walked to the face of the earth. So how could anybody question what he has to say? He's he will so never smart. see the error of his ways. Roger Ailes has reportedly even completely given up on this guy. There was a piece in Vanity Fair today I read that basically talks about he's just given up. He's like, no, we're done. This isn't going to work. And this was after the second debate. Like, this isn't even a recent, recent thing. But um, specifically yeah, – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bill. No, I was just going to say I do think during the immigration section, that was the first time we saw Hillary land some definite blows. I thought – Like what? Her bringing up the meeting that Trump had with the Mexican president, <sighs> he choked. Two yeah, words. No, it was, it was the best meeting ever. Yeah. It was the best meeting. Yeah. Yeah. 
What about the okay? I, I do want to circle back to the wall thing because what I found fascinating. <laughs> it was, was the same. It was the same thing as uh, as birtherism. Oh, she did first. Well, right, but yeah, I mean, it's whole, like she clarifies, like, yeah, I wanted to have border security. I actually do support border security, and yes, part of that plan is to build some walls. But does anyone really think that that's easily conflated with the big wall that he wants to build? They're obviously completely different. It's like, why did you even try that angle? It makes no sense. It's uh, um, the. Well, I can uh, tell you that. Um, the Washington Post is now naming its winners and losers of the debate, and its winners of the debate are Hillary Clinton, Chris Wallace, Vladimir Putin, David Fahrenthold, who's a Washington Post reporter, uh, puppets, <laughs> and the losers are Donald Trump uh, and down-ballot Republicans. Yeah. So I do think that exchange with, about the puppet was probably my favorite exchange, you know, where Clinton said that's because Putin would rather have a puppet. Trump, it, you're the puppet. No, you're the puppet. That could have oh, been a line from Tommy Boy. Oh, you know? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that, like, Trump stepped on it, and it would have been a beautiful gut punch if she'd gotten it all the way out before he stepped on it. Yeah. Because her, her full line was, um, you know, he wants a puppet, not an American president. And uh, if she'd gotten that entirely out, I think that's the clip that we'd be watching mm-hmm. uh, on repeat tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think no, I mean, you still get that thing. It just won't be as crisp. I thought no. it was like, right, low, though. So, mm-hmm. okay, and, and I know the obvious answer to this. I want to try to figure out if there's any other explanation. But what the fuck is it with Trump? And Putin, he only ever comes back to, he said nice things about me, which he did say in one translation of one of the things he said, something that could have been perceived as he's what, like brilliant? But what he actually said, and they clarified this after the fact, that he's cartoonish and like sort of uh, over the top. Like it was a total mistranslation. It, like why, why, why does he keep not taking the easy, obvious, will you condemn Russia for this? Will you? He won't even go there. He won't say it. I don't, like, other than the obvious, which is there is something really messed up connecting him, which I don't want to go for, just as, like, let's just, you know, one thing that it could be, put it aside. Why else? Why else wouldn't he just do it? It's an easy, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a softball if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always likened Trump to that really terrible community theater actor, <laughs> that will take any – is such an attention whore that will take any attention, even if it's negative, the one that would frame a bad review because nice. the name is, pre- is presented. And apparently, uh-huh. ac- according to Art of the Deal, uh, the Art of the Deal's co-author, you know, he's done that in the past oh, <laughs> with, you know, of having these articles that were remarkably critical of him hanging up framed in his office. So yeah. it, it seems to me that that, that really sickening – any attention is good attention. Mm-hmm. Area that just pollutes his his way of thinking, and he's fallen into it time and time again when the Putin question comes up. Well, and I think you're right. I think it's two parts, right? It's psychological, and I think you nail it there. Um, I, you know, I I think of it this way that he's running to be the leader of the only superpower left, the leader of the free world, and his his peers would be other leaders. 
unfortunately for him, the only leaders of other countries that praise him are despots and dictators. <laughs> so when that's the case, you kind of just trumpet what you've got. And to take it a step further on a policy level, um, you know, you look at what we know. We know that um, uh, one of his foreign policy advisors is being investigated by the federal government for potentially trying to negotiate with uh, Kremlin insiders, which is a violation of federal law. You're not allowed to, uh, Paul Manafort. deal. No, it's not Paul Manafort. Oh, it's not it's Manafort? Act. It's one of his foreign policy advisors. Paul Manafort oh. had, uh, uh, apparently contracts with, uh, really? Ukraine, with, with Ukraine Soviet interests, which not okay. illegal necessarily. How he reported those contracts would be illegal. But okay. there's this foreign policy guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, who one of his senior foreign policy guys, uh, who has experience working in the Russia sector, uh, in terms of like foreign policy circles and is being investigated by the federal government for apparently trying to broker deals with the Kremlin. You know, we have a history of candidates doing this to undermine their opponents. Huh. Uh, Richard Nixon, in 1968, leading up to the 1968 election, um, this has come out in the last several years. Richard Nixon <coughs> was spent a good deal of his time before getting into the race trying to undermine Johnson's ability to bring peace in Vietnam. And he did that by telling the North Vietnamese that he would give them a better deal. They should just stay put. If he becomes president, they'll get a better deal. Um, and so they backed out of what was supposedly – a near complete deal to bring peace to Vietnam. So it's not unusual. And the other thing is that we know from the press conference that Trump denies ever happened that he encouraged the Russians to right. uh, conduct espionage on mm-hmm. on the Clinton campaign and the Democratic Party and Hillary's right to say on American citizens. Um, mm-hmm. And if if it is the only thing that is bringing critical attention that can match his own failings as a candidate, he's not going to try and tamper that down by being too critical of, of the Kremlin or of Putin when they're so heavily in his corner and doing whatever it takes to try and uh, defeat Hillary. Interesting. That's interesting. Cause like I've always heard the obvious, Oh, well, he's got Russian interests. He's probably got money. Also, tied what, does up. He gain? what does he gain yeah. by, switching on the issue and condemning Putin. Yeah. It's not like there's a segment of the electorate that is looking at him and going, you know, if he would just admit this Putin thing, I'd be for him. <laughs> well, what's funny, though, is it's such a traditional Republican thing to be anti-Russia and strongly so and accuse the Democrats of being uh, communists and having left, tenet, left, left uh, ties to the socialism and all that. So it surprises me that you have a Republican candidate for the you know national office of presidency and and he's like almost pro-russia it's just it's yeah. bizarre it's bizarro world this whole year and i or thought that was a missed opportunity for hillary because trump always brings out mccarr you know douglas macarthur and general Patton oh, would be spinning in their grave that's the perfect opportunity to hold up the uh-huh. the, the gilded lily of uh, <laughs> that's probably not the way of saying it, but you know the, the god ronald reagan would be spinning in his grave oh my god <laughs> perfect well, opportunity and she never took that. Uh, I, and no one's ever taken that, and that surprises me. Well, if we've learned anything yeah. uh, over the last eight years, 
Um, there are two primary motivating factors, at least the last eight years, there's been one primary motivating factor that can cause a conservative Tea Partying alt-right conservative to do an about-face on the morals and convictions of the Republican Party um, and stick a finger in the eye of the president. And that's, you know, the one determining factor that allows them to do that is melanin. You know, his pig, the, the pigmentation of his skin. The nationalism that, movement, yeah. Right, and that will be substituted by ovaries um in the new uh white house they they will be able to say um that you know and and trump is not the only one who has said that putin is a great leader you have all kinds of putin fetish fetishization going on in conservative circles especially on talk radio and with trump's campaign being driven by the far far fringe right media uh outlets like breitbart Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And conservative talk radio and Sean Hannity. Uh, it's no wonder that those things are being echoed by his campaign. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Milo had some, you know, authoritarian <laughs> art exhibit coming up, you know, in the cities. And uh, I have actually friends that I I really like, and I think they're really smart people, and they really, really dig Milo and some of the of the, the Breitbart kind of stuff. And I just sit there and. But you know why they do, don't you? Well, I know why one of them does because he's like, oh, no, they're he's a gay guy and he supports Trump. I mean that just proves that not all gays have to be Democrats, yeah. and so you should yeah. you should listen to him. You should you should check out what he's saying. And I I only had to listen to about five seconds, and I realized this guy's an asshole. I don't care what he does with his penis or his ass. This man is nothing. I want to have anything to do with. Oh, but he's but he's somebody who should be liberal, but he's not. So we're going to put him on a pedestal, just like we do people like Herman Cain, just like ah. we do people like Carly Fiorina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they put Sarah Palin on the on the ticket with John McCain because they thought she might be able to get some of that Hillary disaffected people from voting for Obama. But they forgot one thing: women aren't voting just because somebody's got breasts and ovaries. Women are voting on a plethora of issues that they care right. passionately about, and a woman is not going to be a vessel for the the female vote if she doesn't have a good record on those issues. Um, you know, but it nonetheless makes Republicans who despise these these people, you know, whether it's African-Americans or gay people or women, generally speaking, it makes them feel better about themselves to have one of their own to hold up as a trophy. Yeah. Palin's now, absence uh, from the campaign has been very interesting to me. She was at the debate. She was Aren't at she? the debate, but we with she, the non-invite to the uh, the Republican convention and – what I'm assuming is fairly, uh, fairly limited campaign appearances for Trump. 
But Trump explained that. He, he oh, yeah, because Alaska's far. Yeah. It's so far. far. I mean, yeah. she's also monitoring Russia, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention oh, all the legal problems that her family's been going through with, with her, her son and, she's you know, her son. daughter, her daughter, the poster child of, of abstinence only education is having another child out of wedlock, so. But it just seems strategically that she would be, um, ideal to pit against Clinton in the, in the heads of Republicans, yeah. Even the playing field thing, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's I'm, move I'm on. just surprised at that. Let's move on to the economy. There's more there. There's more there. They, um, they, uh, they wanted to, you know, cover a bunch of different issues in this debate. And they actually, to their credit, Chris Wallace, I think, deserves some credit, got through all of them that they had talked about. The economy was interesting because there was some mentions, especially from, I believe, uh, was this the one where I know Trump at least at one point cited uh, Bernie and Podesta and kind of an email pivot that mm-hmm. just was so like like petty and stupid like mm-hmm. yeah. they said some very bad things about you they said some really very, and I very agree bad. with Bernie Sanders I mean, it was almost like one of those quotes where you're just like did he just say that did the he just say on, yeah the section on the economy was the worst example of Trump word salad. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just leading off tying back to Japan and and South Korea and all of NATO paying up. By the I, way, all I, of which is video. By the way, there there are videos of him saying he wants to give these people nukes. So just for the record, yeah. no, I, and I, it's like this isn't even hard to fact check. Like you said, it's been fact checked. It's been shared all over the place. We know what he said. It. I, I don't understand why he just – and again, maybe this comes back to what you were saying earlier, Carl, but he denies saying these things that are blatantly, provably false and have been proven false. And I don't I don't even know why you would go there. Why even waste your energy in that way when it doesn't – it's just it's just wrong. It's not yeah. true. I, I That's never – I've never – I understand where it's like finer points. You know, Hillary will say something that's mostly true and there's a little bit in there that's – questionable but it's still mostly true and isn't obviously you know debunkable but trump just flat out does it like blusters his way through the whole time he's like did you forget what you said do do you believe that you just i never i've never been able to understand why any politician can be so brazen especially donald trump about that but (laughs) he's setting his own reality i mean i guess because nobody can nobody's gonna say actually sir uh let's lower the screen we have some video to show you (laughs) i wish they would but they don't god can you can you imagine in four years like the what they'll what they will hopefully try to do with technology and the debates and actually find a way to to do that because i mean it would be remarkable maybe in Uh, 20 years i mean they're still doing online polls for questions and think that's breaking technology yeah, that's true. Um, now, the, the Japan thing was interesting because, yes, he's very keen on making other countries pay their fair share and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there like, from what I have read, that's not a problem, at least in the terms of the military protection. What we're getting out of it isn't just, you know, oh, well, you know, we're, we're protecting the world. No, we're getting to have a military base in a forward space of operation. It's the whole reason we took Hawaii and took other you know, Guam and other places to have forward bases of operation. So we're not, we're getting a lot out of it, you know, to have that protection there. So it's remarkable that he's demanding we renegotiate these treaties. But it's like, that's, do you not understand how that benefits our national security? Like, no, he doesn't. 
No. Right, he does. No, he does. I thought through the entire economic section, that really demonstrated he does not know how government operates. Continually yeah. going after Hillary Clinton on, you know, you should have made it harder for me to do this, made it impossible for me to take those tax breaks. Oh what can you all the yeah. stuff about that? Yeah. What kind of argument is that? Well, you didn't in your you 30 didn't years. This. Yeah. You didn't. That's like. Donald Trump assumes that all elected officials want the dictatorial powers that he's pursuing. Mm-hmm. Dangerously so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that was another win for Hillary uh, with the Chinese seal and and, oh, yeah. and circling, ba- yeah, circling back to it, especially, yeah. Especially so that second time. after the mess that was the economy, we hit the real train off the rail segment of the fitness to be president. Whoa. I can't even read my notes. <laughs> like flat out so so they of course they bring up the the accusations and the 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 hot mic uh video that is you know now famous um and you know his only response to these allegations is their lies and fiction and what well, I he also was, said he didn't apologize to his wife <laughs> that was yeah i thought that was he said the exact opposite last time too oh no he didn't apologize to his wife i think he meant i if i may i think he meant he didn't apologize to his wife about the recent accusations because they're not true they're lies and fiction. I think that's what he was saying. I might be mistaken, but the um, the, but the now the new thing is, of course, well, I mean, you know, the media's in the tank. It's rigged for Hillary and all that. But I mean, he's flat out saying that the Hillary campaign not only you know put these women up to it, but I think then he made the uh, parallel somewhere down the the way that they're also Obama and Hillary are paying for violent protesters in his rallies. That was right. new. This is what this comes from. There's a video being pushed around by this guy, James O'Keefe, of this guy who worked for a group that does field work, um, who was saying all kinds of crazy things about, you know, instigating violence and paying people X, Y, and Z. Now, I happen to know the guy, not well, but I know the guy who was caught in this video and was fired by this group um, making these claims. If you watch the video and you know who this person is, even if you just put yourself in in the perspective of watching a guy who is trying to impress somebody with his Mm -hmm. supposed connections, he's not a senior person in any regard. He certainly wouldn't have any knowledge of what campaigns are doing. Um, But the notion that what he says, by the way, in the video apparently is like, oh, yeah, we bust thousands of people in to, to, you know, we pay people and we, we get them to do, yeah, we're, we get them to disrupt the rallies. We're very organized. We're very close to the Clinton campaign. We're very close to the DNC. We're very close. I work with very senior people. It was the braggadocio of somebody <laughs> who, who is trying to compensate for how unimportant they are. Right. Donald Trump should know that flavor very well. Of course. He's speaking his language. Absolutely. So that's interesting. I'm glad you, you knew about that because I, right. I came out of nowhere. I'm like, I hadn't read about Again, that. Again, this is James O'Keefe, by the way, who has been caught doctoring videos in the past. Yeah. So. And, and Carl, correct me if I'm wrong because you'll absolutely be more tuned into this than I would. Uh, that was basically the same modus operandi he employed against Acorn was getting into these lower level people. And, right. Well, yeah. and, you know, he did the same thing against Planned Parenthood, and you know who got indicted for that was the guy who shot the videos. So, um, you know, they, Planned Parenthood was cleared on all of these investigations in all of these conservative states. So, um, you know, real undercover journalism like 60 Minutes doesn't go into the investigation with an agenda. Mm-hmm. When you go into the investigation with an agenda like James O'Keefe, you end up leaving things on the cutting room floor that might shade things in a different light, and he repeatedly does that. But 
to to Trump's point in the debate, it was an inartful attempt at deflecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was something, you know, he speaks in this code language. It's a broken English. It's kind of like right wing pigeon, right? He, <laughs> he, he, he speaks in, in, uh, broken English that is really just sentence fragments of right wing conspiracies and misinformation that only a certain segment of the populace can understand what he's talking about. That's a perfect example. That video, the only people who are going to know about that video are the people that read Breitbart because who reported the video? Breitbart and who runs? Um, Trump, uh, Trump's yeah. campaign, Breitbart. Yep. So it's it's quintessential Trump. He he mentions these things and expects people to know what he's talking about. When in fact, the only people that know what he's talking about are the people who have drunk the Kool Aid and exactly. you know uh, are are following these media accounts. Oh my God, I'm, I, I I'm glad you have background on that because it just but it, it, all of it makes total sense because it's like it has to be a, a Breitbartian uh, thing. So the uh, the other thing that he mentioned, and I think I saw a, a link that this was a Pew study that there are millions of people who were registered to vote that shouldn't be. And I did check this before we started talking, and what it is is there was a peer uh, uh, a Pew study that actually said there are millions. Actually, I think it said 24 of inaccurate or potentially invalid registrations. But that could mean I move from one house to another. My voter registration is now inaccurate because I have moved and not updated it, but it is still – I'm still a registered voter. I'm still allowed to vote. So it was very cherry-picking numbers. And well, I mean, it's actually a question of whether there's fraud but there's not. And, right. And every reputable investigation – It's fraud when it's not. Exactly. Right. right. You know, there are probably lots of people in the voter rolls who – are no longer voting. Um, you know, does that, that include people? It, yeah, does that include people that like I'm dead, but I just didn't tell you? So they they update the rules a variety of different ways. One of the ways that they do it is through death records. One of the ways that they do it is through uh, filings of change of address forms. Okay. They do it a variety of different ways. One of the things that the right wing has taken to doing is this thing called cross check. And what they do is they match voter rolls in, in one state with voter rolls in another state. And anybody that matches, they challenge the registrations of, which then requires that person who's been challenged to prove that they should be registered to vote where they are. A lot of these people don't end up doing that because they missed the letter. They're not expecting it, whatever. What they don't tell you is that the match rate is so artificially inflated. So if a Brian Pittard um, was found in Florida and – What's your middle initial, Brian? Oh, it, well, James is my first name. So. All right. So if it was uh, James Pittard was found in Florida with a middle initial B, and a James Pittard was found in Texas with a middle initial R, they would count that as a match. They don't take the extra step of matching middle initials. They don't take the extra step of necessarily matching birthdays or social security numbers or driver's license numbers. They don't do any of the things that would result in a better match rate because the goal is not to remove only people from the roles who shouldn't be on the roles anymore who are duplicates. The goal is to remove people who are not going to vote for Republicans. Mm-hmm. They know that by doing this, it is far less likely that somebody, a person of color, a senior citizen, somebody who's disabled, somebody who's low income, and therefore more likely to vote for a Democrat, it's far less likely that they will respond to that letter and that they will get registered to vote again than it is if some Republican is bumped off the yeah. rolls. Which is, which is a sad commentary, but again, like you said, it touches demographics that just either can't or won't bother because of life circumstances to change things and, you know, fix it. So, it's uh, it's it's maddening because again I keep hearing over and over again and reading you know other studies that 
voter fraud is is anecdotal, and there have been historical cases, and unfortunately, yeah, some like major like cities, twenty-five, thirty out of right. Really- Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's such a small problem and yet there's so much effort to it. This segment is also where what many immediate reactions seem to be most stunned by, and this is kind of echoing Trump's rig claims. This is the story of the week. Yep. Yeah. He basically would not, after Chris Wallace point blank asked, will you accept a peaceful transition or a, the election results if you lose? And his answer was stay tuned. Stay tuned. I love it. Of course he says stay tuned because he's Donald Trump at its core thinks he's an entertainer. Well, they've got the, you know, and I think that that issue, you know, debates are going to be digested very differently than how they have been in the past. Right. So a lot of people would say that Tim Kaine probably lost the debate based on the performance. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the polls showed that it was like 42, 47 in one of them. It was evenly split in another one. Um, But what was the story coming out of that debate that was talked about on every major media channel and in every paper for the following week? It was about how Pence wouldn't defend Donald Trump and how he denied reality when he said that Donald Trump hadn't said X, Y, and Z when in fact he had, and there was videos to prove it. That's what they talked about for a week. They didn't talk about who won, who lost, who made the points, who didn't. They talked about Pence's uh, reliability as a running mate and, and the fact that he couldn't defend Donald Trump. So what we're finding is that these little micro issues from the debates end up driving the coverage and kind of make the debates secondary in the story. The story coming out of this debate uh, is that Donald Trump, uh, in the true truest sense of being a strong man, um, you know, somebody who's prone to fascistic dictatorial <laughs> tirades, um, will not accede to the peaceful transition of power in this country, which is the first time that a presidential candidate in modern history has ever said such a thing. And yeah. it's no wonder CNN has their, you know, there's only really two um, polls that come out after a debate saying who won or who lost, um, you know, of people that watched the debate scientifically taken poll, not one of those, you know, direct report dot com, you know. Uh, I call them click and repeats. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, this is scientific. And CNN's ORC poll of viewers of the debate tonight uh, say that 52% say Hillary Clinton won, 39% say Donald Trump won. So, again, um, I think that that bodes well for her. And I think the story that we're going to be talking about for the next, you know, through the weekend – um, at the very least, is that Donald Trump is being a crazy person who won't do what every other person in our democracy has done for generations, which is accept the peaceful transition of power, something that distinguishes us as a democracy and a shining example of, of you know, freedom and liberty. And what kills me is this is very akin to the birtherism movement and right. the thing that he did with that, which totally undermines any respect and support for the person who holds the office. And admittedly, I didn't have a whole lot of support and respect for George W. Bush, but at the same time, I was critical of his policy choices, but I wasn't saying that he was an idiot. Well, maybe I might have said that occasionally. Yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that's not probably true. But you know, like, I was- You're not running I, for president. <laughs> well, I'm not running for president, that's true, but also, like, just, it's, it's remarkable the amount of disrespect that President Obama has received in the last eight years for issues that are not factually based. And I, I'm sorry. I mean, there there is no comparison to how Obama's been, you know, treated. Yeah. President Bush, yes, liberals said lots of bad things about him, but think about 
his best moment as a president was in the way that the country responded after 9-11 when we all literally came together as one, right? We all did. Mm-hmm. Democrats allowed things to happen in Congress that a Democrat typically wouldn't let happen, right? Right. Um, and that was an example of Democrats doing – taking one for the greater good, Right. You, if this were to happen on Obama's watch, the first thing we would have is people, Republican Congress people tweeting about how this was Obama's fault and debating on who was going to get aid. Okay? <laughs> That's what would happen if something like that happened on Obama's watch. They don't believe in a government that works, so they don't want the government to work. Yes, absolutely. I also the obstructionist movement of the Republican Party in general right now with the stonewalling the, uh, the, the hearings for the Supreme Court nominee Merrick Garland and, and, and not being willing to do many other appointments, uh, hearings, uh, throughout Obama's administration, much less the fact that any legislative action is just stymied and, and budgets aren't being passed like normally we have done for all of the history since we've had a national budget. Like all of that is obstructionist and that I've had Republicans tell me to my face that's we don't believe in big government. So yes, I am happy when my leaders obstruct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mind. Yeah, I just wanted to tie back to the Republican Party and just to show what a piss poor candidate Trump is for his party. With this statement about stay tuned, I think he has handed Republicans that are on the fence, yet another out. I don't know how many will be brave <laughs> enough to take it, but I think the only tweets we have seen are, are unsurprising names so far, like Jeff Flake and, and Lindsey Graham. But he's handed them another out for them. And I think fewer will take it this time because yeah. so many had a backlash within their own party, their base when they did it after the video. Especially you know. if they're running right now. Right. Yeah. So I would say that. Donald Trump is the perfect candidate for the Republican Party because he is their base. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hillary Clinton has three times debated and defeated the personification of a YouTube comment thread. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so sad. Okay, so only a couple more things, then we got to wrap up. Uh, yeah, I uh, just I just wanted to bring up since we went into fitness, I was surprised that we didn't get into the physical fitness of the candidates at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe that's been covered enough, but if I was a Martian. And I was seeing these people for the first time. Hillary was radiant, and Trump, I thought, was gray. really tired and washed out. Did not smile much One at all. He didn't look orange either. It was really weird. Well, I think they yeah. tamped that down. I was talking about this with someone. I think either he gets flustered and that red just bleeds through, but you think that might make him more orange. But I think the makeup job they're doing is really trying to... Yeah, I don't know, because he doesn't look yeah. as orange as he normally does. So, yeah, usually um, you get to see the whites of his eyes, and you're not talking about his eyeball. You're talking about the area around his <laughs> eye that's not covered in orange. Those raccoon marks. Yeah. Now, what about the sniffing? Because I did notice he did tend to sniff, not as much maybe in the past. I mean, of course, the whole joke about him being using yeah. cocaine or doing whatever. And I, what I mean, is it is it just he can't breathe? Like, he's having a hard time <laughs> gulping before he spews ridiculousness? Like, I... I, I don't think, get the sniffing. Maybe the blow isn't as Trump, good in Vegas. Go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe the blow isn't as good in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Donald Trump is finally discovering that his shit does stink. <laughs> <laughs> also, the only other thing that's really odd and effective, like, he, he always, like, manipulates the mic. Like, he never trusts that the mic is to the right place. He's always moving it around, you know, adjusting it, doing this and that. 
And you look over and Hillary is just like grinning and smiling and beaming and like Which, all of that has to go against the, these stupid health claims that the Breitbart people yeah. tend to make. But I also her. think well, that could well, backfire with her because there were some moments where she was smiling and it was a fairly heavy topic. And I yeah. know she was responding to his inane answers. But um, I, I, I do not envy her position. Yeah, you know, yeah. she smi- She doesn't smile enough, so she smiles a lot during one debate, and the pundits are like, "Why is she smiling so much?" It's oh, like, I know, right? It, yeah. You know, the critique. The only critique she had coming out of the first debate was that she was too prepared. So it's like she can't. She just can't win. But she can't win for trying. I know, right? I would say that you know one of the things that stood out to me was. You know, so the microphone thing, you know, after the first debate when he said he won but tried to explain, I guess, why he lost but he actually won was <laughs> because the microphone was rigged. Uh-huh. And, you know, one of the best moments of the debate and one of the funniest moments of the debate was when Hillary Clinton, and I think this will get paired with his not wanting to concede the election in the video that we see for the coming days, uh, when Hillary Clinton said, you know, you said it was rigged when you lost the Iowa caucuses and you said it was rigged when this happened and that happened. You said it was rigged when you even said it was rigged when you lost the Emmy for The Apprentice. I think that was a great moment in the debate that mm-hmm. pairs really well with his inability to accept the results of an election. And he couldn't resist. He's like, well, I should have won the Emmy. And it's like, oh, my God, dude, what are you doing? Seriously. Oh, I love it. All right. So foreign hotspots. Real quick, the thing that stuck out to me besides him again doing his Lex Luthor uh, wrong, wrong, all that crap, he did – oh, this is where he actually talked about Podesta and Bernie and how he agreed with them, which I thought was interesting. And and I think uh, I think something uh, Clinton had said, someone said something, and Chris Wallace actually took a moment, and you could hear him sort of laugh off mic. And I think it was in response to that, which was kind of remarkable because most of the time he was pretty cool and collected. Um, but- I think it was when, when- – when he was asking the question and Trump said, exactly. And he goes, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like literally what the fuck dude, stop. The, um, the claim that the leaders of ISIS aren't in Mosul right now, the, this morning, just this morning, I was listening to Diane Rehm. Um, and like they were talking about the fight of, of Mosul and all this stuff and how, al-Baghdadi is confirmed, at least according to intelligence that they've released, yada, yada, to be in Mosul to rally the troops. And he's sitting there saying how we didn't get, you know, what's with the, this was the whole, um, you know, uh, McCarthy spinning in the grave. We don't have, what's, what happened to the element of surprise? And it's like claiming that, 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 that you know, we've said we're going to be taking Mosul has driven all the ISIS leadership out. And it's like, but they just said, like, this is recently confirmed that, there is still ISIS leadership there. They're not just going to leave. They're actually trying to hold the city. So what? It, it's just, I, again, I don't know where he gets his intelligence from, and I did read this week. He basically has been rejecting these intelligence briefings, or if he's been rejecting them, he's been just disregarding them very frequently. frequently. And it's like, who, how do you get off being this person who wants to lead the country when you cannot trust people to give you facts and information that that's that that's their professional responsibility. It it yeah. Well, know. The, you know the media has a liberal bias, well, so obviously they're doing it just to screw with his talking point and to help exactly. Hillary. Well, and the, the Mosul attack is just to help Hillary. It's a wag the dog moment, and I'm sitting there like, for real? Like seriously? <laughs> like, and, and this is part of me as a history nut that just drives me crazy when he brings stuff up like Patton. Patton is known for one of the greatest bait and switches in military history. 
mm-hmm. and this is where you invoke him? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it just... Oh, God. Like, they don't announce every drone strike right before it happens. Like, does he understand that there is absolutely an element of secrecy? Right. But for something like a major offensive on a city... Or an element of, of strategy to get civilians to safer ground. I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into the decisions about what you yes. announce militarily. And right. he and then, does not have a grasp on that one. But he knows more than the generals. That's, that's, that's the important thing. <sighs> so, at the end of the day, Chris Wallace had to do that middle school, high school elections, you know, kind of like last debate. Oh, say something nice about your opponent. Um, you know, he gave them a chance to do a closing speech, although I was a little confused. The, the, the sponsoring committee, uh, said no closing speeches, but the campaigns prepared them anyway. And then Chris Wallace went ahead and did it. Like that whole thing made no sense to me. I was. Right. I think Hillary of, was just prepared for a closing statement. I'm not sure if they, you know, that they were prepared anyways because okay. these things are decided well in advance right. you know they work out the terms of the debates and the locations and everything else well in advance so the you know if hillary was running against anybody else they would have had a fairly good and cogent one minute speech that they could have given off the top of their head too but she's running against a crazy person so of course he couldn't um i'm not shocked that hillary had something that was fairly concise and you know worthy of being called a, a closing statement because she's been giving these these talking points, these speeches around the country for a year and a half. Donald Trump should have been much better. And I think since we are talking about the ending of the debate, uh, apart from Trump's stay tuned uh, being one of the biggest takeaways, I think the other one will be the into the microphone, such a nasty woman. Oh, oh absolutely. Yes. That's going to yes. be one of the huge t- and it also talk about was, winning women over, huh? Yeah, and also but he has nothing. That, he has the most respect for women. He is oh, the most I mean, tremendous. Are you so surrounded by yes men that you they can't tell you yes. don't employ that again? Yeah, I guess you. This is what happens when you've had three campaign managers in one election. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. It's not because he's been getting necessarily bad advice, mm-hmm. so much as it is that he's not willing to take other people's mm-hmm. learned advice. Right. And it also struck me that that statement came at such an innocuous moment. Mm-hmm. It was, it was almost as if he had to check that out. She made a joke which was clearly funny, mm-hmm. and he said such a nasty woman, mm-hmm. which was crazy because he had said things far worse than her uh, than she had just said throughout the debate. Yeah, it's amazing the the rhetoric and the the nonsense that he gets away with. The most disrespect I've ever seen, saying that our president, even if you don't agree with him, is like you know these other foreign leaders like Assad and Putin are just so much you know more intelligent and you know, outsmarting. Oh, you know Iran is oh they're just it's like how like even if you disagree that you have to phrase it in such with such disrespect. Like, yes. You know, Think about it. Uh, in the primaries, this is a guy who talked incessantly about having gone to Wharton Business School. He didn't, by the way, mm-hmm. but he talked a lot about it. And he also said that he was a very smart person because his uncle was a professor at MIT. Uh, Somebody is so insecure about their own intelligence that they would make those two claims to beef themselves up. I am not in the slightest bit surprised uh, that he thinks he's smarter than the generals on the ground, that he's smarter than the entire foreign policy apparatus of our country, and that he's smarter than anybody who's ever struck a deal in Washington. Mm, well, I uh, I am fairly confident that tomorrow, like you said, the headlines will, will definitely be about him not accepting the election results and uh, that some of the remarks, I'm sure. I'm actually less thrilled about maybe SNL's, you know, third uh, debate uh, performance because honestly with this, there were fewer 
great moments to play off of. At least I felt, but I'm sure they're going to come up with something fun. Um, but you know, other than at the very end, you know, no handshake again. Yeah. Uh, or, or not, not actually no handshake at the beginning, no handshake at the end, but there was a brief moment I caught like Trump sort of menacingly glaring behind Hillary shaking hands with people, which was mm-hmm. of course very, and you know. That saddened me to such a degree because I just thinking where we were four years ago at that mm-hmm. final debate with Obama going up to Romney's grandkids and Ann Romney talking to Sasha Obama and we just right. it just feels like we are worlds away from that country right now mm-hmm. well I mean one of the big concerns about some of the calls for the rig or bet at the rig election and some of the the not accepting the results is what will this do now for his supporters if and when Clinton does win and, you know, the results are ratified and all that, what level of civil discontent and hopefully no more than that, but, you know, what are we going to see and what are we going to deal with for four years at least from these supporters who just don't believe she's the valid leader of the country? Like it's set a tremendous step backwards in the already awful state of our politics to, to call into question basic institutions that we have to rely on for our country to to be uh to be uh productive to be to keep going <laughs> well given the fact that they've you know tried to stop the president from doing anything um i i thank god every day that hillary clinton knows her way around the government bureaucracy because that's where a lot of her accomplishments are going to come from yeah no i i think that i've even back during the primaries one of the reasons i was not as big of a pro Bernie fan is exactly that i said you don't get it i love obama i campaigned for obama he was great but I understand now that Hillary absolutely knows how to make deals and get shit done. She has demonstrated that. And so even though as, as much as I think Obama's done a great, great job in the eight years that he's been in office, I see the potential for her to do even better and go even further because she can make those deals and actually work the system to get stuff done. I mean, she's, again, been doing it for 30 years. Even if, you know, Donald Trump thinks that, you know, she hasn't been successful or productive, I think the facts are certainly against that. So... uh Anything final about the debate you guys want to bring up before we uh, end this? We're all, all basically thinking she won an anecdotal small poll that it is. Uh, and admittedly, we're all kind of in the tank, so, you know. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I have no problem criticizing a Democrat when they deserve it. So, um, you know, I think what we need to watch in the week ahead, because mm-hmm. really we're now talking about the week ahead and not the weeks ahead because – or only a couple weeks before the election, but in the sure. week ahead, we should be looking at the state polls, not just the battleground state polls, but if the polls that we're seeing out of places like Utah and Georgia and uh, Arizona and um, uh, uh, Texas continue in that trend, if we get other polls showing that Hillary, Hillary is either either within a point or two of Donald Trump or leading him by a point or two, I think we could be looking at a very huge loss for the Republican Party generally from the top to the bottom of the ticket. Um, you know, it says a lot that right now on the night of the last presidential debate, Hillary Clinton is further ahead um, in uh, or is closer to winning Arizona than Donald wow. Trump is to winning Pennsylvania. That's remarkable. Like in terms of bellwethers, those are two great you know, right leaning and left leaning states and that, that, that the margins are so close in the right leaning states is just tremendous. And I, I hate using that word, but it's been beaten into me <laughs> I, all night. <laughs> I do hope we have a four year moratorium on that word. Oh my God. Really seriously. Do. We need to retire. Tremendous big league, huge, all that stuff. And I believe me. Big league. And believe me, 
That's believe, the one believe thing. me because I don't. Yeah, I know, right? Because yeah. whenever anyone says "believe me," you know they're bullshit. I'm gonna miss certain things though, you guys. Like when he said, "Like I have all the best words." I mean, who said that's the yeah. best thing that's ever been said? But by the everybody. good thing is, all of this will live on in infamy, and I think that I hope and pray nightly that in the end, ten years from now, we will all look back on this time and go, "Oh my God, can you believe these idiots actually thought that Trump would have been a good president?" and Clearly, the success of the Clinton administration that came after, and, and the, the world, hopefully as a whole, like really proved that no, this was we avoided a huge, mis- huge mistake, and 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 all will be well. That's my that's my dream. I keep I keep hope alive. But uh, thank you guys so much for being on the show. I know I've been talking about doing this for a while. Uh, I appreciate the wise and learned insight from both of you guys. Um, I'm very excited to see how the next two or three weeks unfold. If, if God help us, anything bizarre and crazy and monumental shows up in the next couple of weeks, maybe we'll do a quick little reaction, but there are some great podcasts out there. Of course, uh, Bill, some of your podcasts, if you want to mention those real quick. Oh, sure thing. And again, thank you, Brian, for giving me the opportunity to talk about something other than comic books or punk rock. <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, I have the Comic Book Bears podcast, which Brian is also a co-host of, and there is a pop culture podcast I'm a part of called the Tito and Bill Good Time Hour, and very recently I started the UK PNW at 40 podcast, which is my first solo podcast, which is really hard work, and that's covering uh, punk rock out of uh, the United Kingdom on the 40th anniversary of the, the uh of the advent of that particular um, musical force, so uh, awesome. That's and then, by and me. Carl, you you have, you are frequent on a, a couple of podcasts and radio shows, at least that I know of. Um, my most regular thing, you know, Sirius XM or a progressive radio station near you. I'm on the Stephanie Miller show every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and then I do a variety of different shows that are not necessarily scheduled more than a couple days in advance, but folks can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all the other, you know, social networks, uh, to find out what I'm up to at Carl Frisch for all of them. Carl with a K and Frisch with a C in there. With an SCH, right? SCH. So again, thank you guys so much. If you guys like what you're listening to, Flame On, we are a patron-driven enterprise. Our parent company, Nerdy Show, would not be able to put out, put out this kind of content at all without Nerdy without uh, patron support. Nerdyshow.com/slash/patreon. You guys can set up and subscribe and and give us little tips, especially if you like what Flame On does. You guys can always earmark a little bit towards us, and we really appreciate that. Also, Flame On Show, Flame On Podcast, all over your social media outlets. Again, we don't do this podcast, or we don't do usually the politica, politics, and my words are starting to drain out of me as the, <laughs> the night grows long, but we were really happy. I'm really thrilled to get two of my friends to get on and do this together, and uh, thank you guys so much for being here, and thank you guys for listening. And that's it. Flame off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud, or give us your feedback at nerdyshow.com slash survey. Flame On was produced by Pat O'Rourke, edited by Pat O'Rourke, and special thanks to Pat O'Rourke, not Brian who likes to take the credit for doing what I see is nothing. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon.
any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other nerdy show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com and be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Flame On on all your favorite social networks like Twitter, Recon, Scruff, Grinder, Twitter. Did I say Twitter? Did I hit all the major ones? Jacked, like Hornet if you're in uh, like Southeast Asia. I think that's it. I think I've hit the, maybe one day they'll give me like free membership. I ain't paying for premium. That's a joke. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 